she's also a he. More. More. I like more. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, I'm bisexual, actually. Oh! Yeah. I go both ways. Welcome to Bisexual Breakdown, where we have breakdowns as we break down pop culture. My name is Serena, and I'm here with my co-host Katie, and we are joined by our friend Snap, where we recorded too much content on our episode on Red, White, and Royal Blue, so we had to split it up into two episodes, and this is part two. few things that I thought about when I watched the movie again recently that I remembered that I really liked about it. One of them is I, maybe this is also part of Taylor's performance. It could be that, but I honestly think it's partially like the way that it's written is just that like Alex is a way more likable person in the movie than he is in the books. That's like a pretty big thing for me. I wasn't like a huge fan of him in the book and I just like really love the interpretation of him in the movie. Like, I know it's not as much as in the book, but just having a little bit of that, like, kind of anxiety, and he expresses a few, like, doubts about his abilities. I liked him more in the movie than I did in the book, and I was a little worried because I was like, oh, I don't really like this character that much. How am I going to enjoy him in a movie? And I was really pleasantly surprised. I love, love, love how they did the um, texting scenes towards the beginning when they're getting to know each other. I love those scenes so much. I just think, like, I'm pretty sure Matthew Michael Lopez said at one point that he thought that his greatest assets were his two actors. And so he just wanted to get them in the same room and like bouncing off each other as much as possible. And I feel like he's right. Cause that's how I think that those scenes are able to be pulled off. Cause I feel like with two actors who didn't quite have like the chemistry that those two do, it, it could have fallen pretty flat. I would say if the actors weren't so good with each other, I feel like it, it could have like not been pulled off. I love that part of the movie. I feel like Nick's performance in that was really good. The one where he's like talking very passionately about, I think it's like Henry David Thoreau or something. It was Byron, I think. Byron, okay, okay. He's the, you know, epitome of literature. And yeah, Nick's performance there. Something, something, every, every romance in the last three centuries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. While we're on the topic, during the montage where Alex was in Texas, right? Yeah, yeah. Alex was saying something like, I miss you. And then Henry wrote back, should I tell you that when we're apart, your body comes back to me in dreams, that mm -hmm. I can feel your skin against mine and, and it makes every bone in my body ache, is what he said in the movie. And then Alex responds to it with a joke about like how Henry needs to stop sending smut to his inbox because, you know, he's busy, he's trying to win a campaign, etc. And like, that was fine. Like it was like a flippant, horny joke, whatever. But it hits different in the book, and I really like um, the way that that passage continues. Should I tell you that when we're apart, your body comes back to me in dreams? That when I sleep, I see you, the dip of your waist, the freckle above your hip, and when I wake up in the morning, it feels like I've just been with you, the phantom touch of your hand on the back of my neck, fresh and not imagined, that I can feel your skin against mine and it makes every bone in my body ache, that for a few moments, I can hold my breath and be there with you, in a dream in a thousand rooms, 
nowhere at all. Like, that's so fucking romantic. I feel like the text messaging and like the emails are cute uh, in the movie, but in the book, there's so much more different layers of emotion that are captured. And I really like that. I think the biggest thing I miss from the book is the historical quotes that they quote back to each other. And especially like from queer historical characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's just so much queer history in them. It could be one of those things. And I feel like it reminds me of one of my least favorite lines in the movie, which this is so unfortunate because I think it's like literally his only line, but it's the one that Percy says to Nora at the New Year's party. And that's one of the only lines that I can tell is like directly from the book. And I don't think it works. I'm not saying you guys don't understand this, but I think this is like something that I see a lot of people being like, well, why wasn't this line like in the movie? And it's like, I don't know if people realize how sometimes direct lines from movies do not translate to being said out loud by a by an actor in like a movie like because yeah that line from Percy it sounds like rehearsed it's so awkward yeah and it's so awkward I feel like if the actor had if they had maybe portrayed the the characters like slightly more like the book character like more flamboyant and over the top because we didn't really get to see him this line comes out of nowhere like there's no context it's not grounded in any kind of personality that we've seen from this character because he literally doesn't speak other than that i mean i think that it totally works that they had to cut out a lot of lines because you know like when you change something in the movie it kind of has this domino effect right like so this has changed therefore if you directly include something straight out of the book it doesn't work with the stuff that's already in the movie and things that have been changed you know i mean i understand and it's fine yeah it's just you know there are things that i miss that i wish i could have heard the actors say or seen them do ultimately i know that it might not have worked with they were already doing so you know that's why i'm kind of like holding out for like an audiobook because i want to hear them say the lines obviously But I think that that would be like kind of a nice like middle ground of, oh, we get to hear them say these lines that are in the book that everybody loves, but also in the context of a situation in which it would actually work and not like having seen it be performed in a movie and possibly have it be like, oh, no, this is not translating onto a screen as well as it should be. Because it would be missing context. You think they'd actually do that? An audiobook? I don't know. It's so difficult because of the actor strike, which I know I know we all are supporting the actor strike. It it is just like an awkward sort of situation where like I feel like so many things right now could be going differently if they weren't striking. The circumstance in which none of the actors could do any promo for this movie, and I do think that I mean, it already blew up in a pretty big way, but I just keep thinking of like how much bigger it could have been if they had been allowed to do promo, especially with the chemistry between Nick and Taylor. I feel like it could have it could have been like insane. And I just wonder, like, I don't know. It, it's hard to see what is going to come from this because right now literally nothing can come from it (laughs) because like they can't do I actually didn't even realize this that the strike includes audiobook recording audiobook recorders are SAG-AFTRA so I didn't realize that oh interesting 
yeah, there's um they're striking on that front as well. So they can't even like, I don't know, I'm not saying it would happen if they weren't striking, but it's just it's like a weird thing where none of it can happen or even really be talked about. So I see. I see. I mean, it depends, I guess, on how quickly that's resolved, because I think that people are still making noise about this movie. Like there's so much online discussion about it. And there's a lot of like media coverage on like fan reactions and spotlight on these two actors. So like maybe if that's still going and there is like this, you know, big public enthusiasm for it that they might decide to do I mean, it'll it'll make money for someone, right? So, like, maybe. Yeah, Amazon owning Audible, like, that would be such a money maker for them, too. And, like, every time a new edition of this book comes out, people buy it. It's like, it's the same book, but, like, we have all the covers. We're just going to keep throwing money. But, yes, if they released an audiobook, people would eat that up. We would throw money at that. I definitely really love the Red Room scene. I think that was done really well. There is like one uh, shot from it that like really, it looks exactly like Vanessa Kelly's art, which is just insane. For people that like aren't aware, there's this amazing artist on Tumblr and Instagram um, who has done art from the beginning for this book. And now I think partnered with Amazon or something like her name showed up in the movie. Yeah. That was a really well done scene. I think it's interesting because in the book, like Alex drags him into the room and then they have their whole confrontation. In the movie, they have Taylor just kind of waiting. And I feel like that the way that he acts in that scene is really well done where you can really see his nerves. He's just like moving around like all tense, you know, trying to rehearse what he's going to say. And then Henry shows up and he just freezes. And he's like, shut up. And then this is him. Yeah, exactly. That whole sequence is just done really well. And Henry's response to that was like, wait, and it's like he's rebooting and then like goes in. Exactly, exactly. And I think in the book, there's even a line where he's like, I just need to like recalculate my entire frame of reference. Like my whole world is basically shifted on its axis to compensate for the fact that you might, you know, like me back. Then I really also love the scene on the dock. At the lake house, I think like their acting, both of their acting there is really incredible. Just like their facial expression throughout. Like you can see the minute changes in Nick's face. Taylor is just so clearly enraptured. He's like constantly touching Henry, you know, even when when Henry is like pulling away from him. I didn't actually realize this until I saw something on Tumblr recently where when Henry jumps into the lake, he like presses a palm to his heart. I don't know if you guys have seen this. He jumps into the lake. He pushes against his chest for a second, like physically in pain. It's so subtle and it's so quick that you could totally miss it because I definitely did. I've watched it probably like, you know, four or five times now. And now that I've noticed it, I feel like I can't unsee it because it's so powerful. Just like this little thing. And I think Matthew Michael Lopez said something. That was one of the first shots that they shot or something. It was a test shot. Yeah, they did it in one take and it was test and they decided to keep it as it was and like not edit it. Yeah, it was a test shot and they were gonna like reshoot it, but then they saw it and they were like, oh no, that's good. Let's keep it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I also really like just in general, the banter between Henry and Alex's dad. Mostly it happens at the lake house. And also like on election night. That was so cute. And then when he tells Alex, oh, I expected him to be more of a candy ass or whatever <laughs> because he's a prince. And then, and then he's like so supportive immediately. And the whole thing where he's like playing soccer in front of him or well, in front of Alex's dad. He's like, clearly they're having some kind of back and forth. Oh, the original comment. Henry says, sir, like, Hi, nice to meet you, sir. And he's like, oh, you don't have to call me that. Like, call me congressman. And then... Oh, and then he's like, you can call me your royal highness. So I cute. I love that because I feel like in general, kind of in the movie, and I feel like for maybe people who never read the book before, they kind of interpret the character through the lens of the movie and maybe, like, kind of think of Henry as this very, like, soft, you know, the very typical, like, baby girl type of trope he is baby girl he is absolutely but like he's also snarky he's also a little bit of a bit he's so witty and he like makes these cutting remarks all the time in the book and i think there are very few points that that does come across in the movie and i think that's one of them Mm -hmm. and i i really like that kind of insight into henry's character there's a couple other ones where oh like in the closet scene where you know henry is he's like you can't really have like been just holding a grudge just because of that alex is like pouting and he's like yeah that really is all like i can't he's like don't minimize it he's like (laughs) how can i minimize it that's as minimal as it gets (laughs) so i feel like that whole that whole sequence kind of showed his like bitchiness too i i appreciate when you see these little hints of his like character because i think that's one of the things that alex also rose to learn about henry right that he thinks that he's this like very uptight unfeeling like robot basically and then we as the viewer kind of see Henry as this like very emotional very sad type of person but like it's nice to be able to see like his quick wit well on that note this is a moment of his wit where I think that they show in the movie of like visually you can see like Alex changing his mind about him and it's just after the closet scene when they're leaving the children's hospital and he says great you can kill me and then I won't have to come yeah 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 such a funny line from him and you can literally see on Alex's face he's like what like I like not expecting this from him and yeah you can see that he's like sort of pleasantly surprised yeah and reevaluating what he thinks of of Henry you can see the wheels like turning in Alex's head he's like oh (laughs) it's really good that's another part of the movie I love I mean, we we keep going back to like the chemistry between these two actors and how that translates on screen, right? And like, I keep thinking about like that quote from Matthew Lopez about how the danger on set was sometimes that Nick would come at Taylor so forcefully that they were afraid about bloody lips and, and, and noses and stuff. And it's just not to be horny on Maine, but like all the kissing scenes and the sex scenes were absolute fire. And I think we've already talked about like the Paris scene. That was really something incredible. It's so sensual and intense without being explicit. And I really appreciate how much thought was put into crafting that scene to communicate that heightened level of like intimacy and trust and like these characters 
reaching like this point in their relationship where things really start to to change like you can feel all of that happening it it's communicated so well in the performance but also in the choreography and the way that it shot and there's that moment where the camera just shows Henry's hand and Alex's lower back and that slow push as Alex's body sinks down into Henry's it's like it has permanently rewired my brain and <laughs> it's just like that's just amazing like i have seen so many sex scenes that are so much more explicit but don't make you feel the way that scene did i don't know i think that that's something that a lot of romantic movies aren't really able to capture and i think that that's just it's just beautiful i think a big part of that we can also say is down to the intimacy coordinator right mm -hmm. i think it's really crazy that that's such a new Thing. Well, I listened to a podcast that their intimacy coordinator did, Robbie Taylor Hunt. He was talking about it and how there's been sort of versions of intimacy coordination for actually like longer than we would think there was, but they haven't been operating and being trained like he has been until like extremely recently within the last like 10 years kind of thing. Mm, because of Me Too in large part. Mm, yeah it has made like all the difference the way that they were able to like work with him and create that scene again without it being like super explicit but still like making the audience feel that way I just don't think that that is something that would be possible without a coordinator speaking of things that like rewire our <laughs> brain chemistry <laughs> in that scene this is so insane every single time I watch that scene I notice this and it makes me want to like get up and scream you can see Henry's hand down there guiding mm -hmm. the insertion process. Every time I notice it, it makes me feel like actually insane. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I'm just like, holy. Matthew Michael Lopez had said that he was super intentional about this scene. He was like, I'm a gay man and I want to portray this accurately because he was like, I don't want to cheat because people will know, you know, that it's not the same. You'll be able to tell otherwise. And he was like, I wanted to make it as authentic as possible and like convey that in a realistic and genuine way. So it's like a real example. I mean, on one hand, it's choreographed, right? And it's very idealized and sure. beautiful in a way that real sex isn't always right but like at the same time there's something really genuine and real that they were able to capture with it and so you know i think that that's something that's really great to see in a mainstream movie not just the intimate scenes themselves but like all the talk about sex ed and like showing the actual like condoms and lube like in the scene you know it's just it's a quick shot but then you see it that it's there when alex has the talk with his mom and she talks about <laughs> using protection and prep and getting the hpv vaccine and alex is like oh my god mom i you know i can't believe we're talking about this it's great you know they're normalizing conversations and it's so refreshing to see someone talking about this with their mom, which is something that we should be able to do. And again, like, I'm pretty old. So like, this was completely unthinkable when I was growing up. And it's just amazing to be able to see that. And it's a positive portrayal that I think, you know, really helps younger people and parents and normalize that process for them. I have one comment that might be a very unpopular opinion. 
about the Paris scene, the only thing that doesn't work for me in that scene is I feel like the line where Alex says, I can't believe how wrong I was about you. And then Henry says, most people are. And I just, it feels really out of context for me. Like, I don't know. It feels like it breaks up the scene a little bit. Like, maybe they could have said something else, but it just feels so, I don't know. I think I've heard other people express a similar opinion. I don't think you're alone in that one. But I think the context was provided in the scene before that where they're walking and Henry says Prince Henry belongs to England. I mean, maybe that's what he's alluding to, right? Like I'm this public figure. Everybody knows my name. People have these expectations of me, but they don't really know me. And so, you know, I think maybe that's where that line finds context. Yeah, yeah. And I think it might have worked for me in a different place in the movie. Just like in the middle of that scene, it felt like out of place, I guess. I guess because it's like you're bringing in other people into the conversation where it's like such an intimate scene. It's like the two of them in this little bubble you know yeah yeah and it just feels like that's not something that they would necessarily talk about right then I don't know maybe maybe I'm like (laughs) turning around to the idea too but maybe it's also like the way that it's said in the moment to me that line I feel like I'm kind of riding the fence on this one because like it's a line that I I don't find uncomfortable or weird but also I'm not like obsessed with it but what I kind of think that it could be and this is me projecting extremely hard but I think that in that moment Henry is the most open and vulnerable he's been with Alex even though they've had a lot of deep conversations and stuff like especially in the previous scene he got pretty real with Alex it's the most open I'm thinking of them literally they're so close to each other they're staring into each other's eyes Henry is being so open and vulnerable and I think that that could be what Alex is referring to because think of like what his opinion was of Henry before is someone being extremely like cold and shut off and aristocratic and all of these things that Henry is so like not being in the moment and so that's kind of what I always view that as as oh he's realizing in that moment like I don't know if he had stopped and really thought about it before being like oh my god all of these things that I thought about him were like so wrong because up until that point they're just kind of like hooking up having fun but that's the moment where he's like oh crap all of these things I thought about you were like so wrong because you're proving it to me right now I guess yeah I can I can buy that the other line that feels slightly off to me but I think it's it's kind of really helped by the chemistry is the like super awkward thing that Henry says right before the scene where he's like we should you know make love tonight or whatever oh yeah i think that's supposed to be awkward yeah yeah of course and then alex like makes a joke about it who even says make love anymore yeah yeah yeah. he like comes up behind him so solemnly and says it too (laughs) and then (laughs) it's just so funny but i think what i love like a microsecond 
after that sentence where Alec is like tugging on Henry's shirt. You know, he's like says something about buttons or something. What does he say? There's like a word he says while he does it. Rigid. Rigid. Yeah. Yeah, because Henry's he's like careful. They're they're really stiff, and then Alec says rigid while he's tugging the. Oh my god, I, that scene is burnt into my brain. I know. With his little head shake, I feel like that's one of the moments where you can see their smiles. Like Nick and Taylor's smiles are like so genuine. It's not acting. I feel like it's them. I I just love that. There's some people I've seen like theories that people say that that scene was um improv which i don't think it was i don't know how much improv they did on this i would say especially in like a romantic scene i don't know if they're like doing improv necessarily i mean maybe it could have just been something that i don't know I don't know if it was improv or not, but I do agree that there is something like so special and genuine about that scene. And it is so crazy how how real their smiles. It's hard to even explain how it feels different than even other scenes in the movie where they're like smiling and having fun. That scene is just their smiles are like so genuine and it does look so real. Either they're literally acting for their lives, rent was due, or or maybe it was improv. There is one moment where I'm on like borderline, like I'm not sure if it is or not, which is like that the lake scene we were talking about before, where like Alex comes and he like shakes water on Henry while he's like sunbathing or whatever. Henry like pushes him away. I've seen people talk about that one too, about being like possibly improv. I don't know. If it's not improv, then it's a great commentary on how good their performances are because I feel like if you think that that's improv or you think if you feel like that's just them being themselves then they did a good job of like acting those scenes one of the best things that nick does in the movie which is just the face acting the micro expressions there's like at no point in that movie where he's not 100 on you know what i mean i feel like even in scenes where He's not maybe even really like the focus of the scene. I feel like you can look at his face and he's he's there like 110%. Yeah. He's always serving face. Face card at 100 always. I don't know how he does it. To me, the like two scenes that really stand out for his face acting are the lake scene, which we already talked about, and the confrontation scene at the castle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The way his eyebrows, like even Alex makes comment later on in the movie about like borrow between his eyebrows in a cute way. The the way that I can like literally see it in my mind right now, like when he says, I'm allowed, you don't get to call me a coward. And he's yelling and my life is the crown and yours is politics and I will not trade one prison for the other. Iconic. So good. And like the way that his face kind of scrunches up and you can like tell like how much this is hurt hurting him and how much it's taking out of him. I think that is really, really well done. Also, the scene where he gets the news that the emails oh, were leaked. Yeah. And he's yelling, I give the orders in this That, that one line, 
might be one of my favorite lines. And what's so great about that line is that he really amps it up. You know, it would be so easy to play that scene sort of like one note, either playing it really angry where he's like super mad about all of this, or it'd be super easy to play the whole thing like really sad. But I feel like he sort of peaks, right? Like he's really sad and then he reaches this like peak of like anger and sort of upsetness and then he sort of deflates back down to like where he it's not quite like acceptance but he's like okay like what are we what can we do like can we send a message to like the white house yeah it's really great that it's not like a one note like really angry or even just like one note really sad playing of that scene yeah like you can tell that he's upset and he's panicking but he's also trying to do damage control in his mind like what can i realistically do now yeah yeah the reaction feels very real and very natural like if he had played it all as one note like you're saying katie i think it would come off as like just too much or not enough like it would have just not come off as real and i think the expressions there were like so true to how someone would really react in terms of like a range of emotion yeah and i think that nick does a lot of like his acting communicates so much about henry's personality that we don't actually see develop as much in the movie because we don't have as much time as we do to see him in the book like we don't get as much um interaction with him and other characters or him we don't really get into the backstory about his dad and like his grief about his father's death and like the abandonment of his mother and all of those things but you know even though we don't get into it in the movie he does a really great job of portraying those emotions like he's always carrying like his baggage with him you know like you can get the sense that he's carrying this weight with him all the time, even though like he plays it off as really cool and really smooth and like he's, you know, really good at presenting himself in public. You know, you can see that there are layers beneath that. And so like that's a credit to like the way that Nick does a very like nuanced the little things to communicate yeah yeah i think while you were talking i thought of three other instances where his facial acting is like so prominent one is although we've taught i think we talked about like why this scene doesn't necessarily work very well in general but the scene where he's talking to b in the garden and he's you know what would it matter if i loved him and like his face there he does so well even if the line back from b is very flip and doesn't really work but his face there is so amazing there was one other one shit i just lost it oh 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 it's right where you were saying like about his dad the thing that where he like does the little sigh when alex says have you ever gotten your heart broken and he says you know when my dad died and the way he like sits back like you know i you can we can all see it in our head right <laughs> like this little yeah. sigh and he like puts his head against the back of the wall and he just like kind of looks to the side and just like the sadness it's like it's like grief, it's like grief but also like this vague sense of like comfort and happiness like when you think about like a loved one it's so good and they like you only see it for a second and you can see all of those emotions he does like a little like smile yeah yeah it's so like emotional because you you feel what he's like trying to do which is like a sort of like brushing off what are you gonna do kind of like thing but you know that it runs so much deeper than that and I love that scene because you can see that Alex doesn't like believe it because <laughs> he like 
goes in to kind of like comfort him like i think it's kind of off the you can't see it on the screen but he like moves the hand to like put on to henry it's such a good acting on his part but it also just shows a lot about how alex is starting to learn how to kind of like read him a little bit of being like oh he's trying to downplay how much this is like affecting him the transition also is so natural because that the beginning of that scene starts off so funny where they're like once unsuccessfully about cooking and about grinder that is also a scene where i feel like their laughs are super genuine where he says once unsuccessfully the second time (laughs) but anyway yeah like the way that that transitions like and then it ends on this note of this longing grief Speaking of that scene, I just want to bring up, we talked about this when we watched the movie together. I think it's so great. (laughs) Like, maybe I'm the only one who appreciates this. How funny it is when Henry's, like, not quite awake yet. And, like, Alex is trying to shake him awake. And Henry's like, what's going on? And the way he says it is so funny because it, again, is, like, really believable because I feel like people, when they're, like, waking up, aren't, like, aware of, like, what they're saying or how they're saying it. And so the way that he's just, like, really, like, way too loudly being like what's going on it's so funny to me every time i watch that scene it makes me giggle we're gonna be jumping around i'm not gonna try to like put this in any order because i want to bring up something that now happens at like almost the beginning of the movie which is the new year's eve party which i think that nick does a really good job in as well especially the way that he is so happy sitting on that couch talking to alex and as soon as that girl shows up, his entire body folds in on itself. Like, I've never seen someone make themselves so small so quickly. Like, he's so happy. And then all of a sudden, he's just like, whoop. And he, like, closes in on himself. And he doesn't even look upset that she's there. He just looks, like, so uncomfortable. He's like, I don't know how I should be acting now. That's why he, like, closes in on himself. Yeah, he's, like, trying to make himself smaller and less so that he's unnoticed. Yeah. His acting throughout that whole party is so good. Like, you really feel like you're there and you're the uncomfortable odd one out right his dancing is so awkward and like everyone has been there right when you like know no one at the party except for one person and that one person is like you know off talking to a million other people and you're like shit what do i do (laughs) the pure joy on his face though like when when alex's attention shifts back to him and it's the countdown, like the sheer openness and joy on his face. And then how quickly that falls when Alex turns to kiss a girl. It's just so much is happening. The range of emotions that you read on his face so rapidly is so good. Yeah, the the countdown is another one where I feel like you see his like real active joy. And then his face when he kisses Alex outside, when he says, you're as thick as it gets. And it's the moment after the kiss, he's like, oh, shit, did I just fuck this up? I think Alex's face in that scene is really good, too. And like he's shocked, but like he totally leans into the kiss. And then after, like the way that he looks after, just stunned, like shit, what do I do? Like my brain is rewiring now. <laughs> See, I want to talk about the karaoke scene real quick. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How do you guys feel about the karaoke scene? I think Nick, there are things that work for me with it, and then there's things that I like less. But 
overall, it's really funny. I love the way that Alex is looking at him while he's singing. It's like, I mean, I think he's supposed to be singing badly, but it's actually really not bad. But like Alex's face while he's watching Henry on stage, it's like, I'm I'm just so in love. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a goner. You know, this is it for me. Like I'm so in love with this person who's being like a little bit ridiculous. And it just, yeah, it, it just kind of way that like Taylor's face communicated, like I'm in so deep, like I'm in trouble. It was so cute. I don't know. I really love and appreciate that Alex's, oh shit, I'm in love with him moment happens while Henry is being goofy. Yeah. I think that that's really important because it's just proof that Alex really appreciates the realness of Henry instead of just the prince because he's very much like not being a prince in that moment. And yeah, I don't know. I just love that. I think it's really important. But also, I was going to say, because I've seen some people be, like, weirdly, like, harsh about his singing in that scene. Hey, no, it's supposed to be bad. Like, I was going to say. I know. It should be worse. I, I was going to say that it's not bad Nick, enough. Yeah, exactly. Nick is doing too well. Because we know Nick can sing. I think he's, like, trying to be bad, but it's still really not. I know. I'm, like, he's, like, literally giving vibrato in, like, a couple lines. Chill out. Like, what are you doing? You're giving too much right now. It's supposed to be so much worse. I think he did a good job of just kind of sounding like he was kind of drunk. And like, also, again, his acting, like he wasn't being suave about it at all. No. Right. Like, I I'm being a bit of a mess on stage right now with like the vibe, even though like the singing wasn't as bad as I expected it to be. I was, I thought about that scene a lot because I was like, oh, what are they going to do? Because he actually knows how to sing. How are they going to make it bad? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think it's interesting, like, the placement of that scene in the book. It happens right before the what in the movie would be the Paris scene. Like, the karaoke scene leads into them sleeping together for the first time. In the movie, I think what's really interesting is that, you know, Kitty, you were talking about how Alex is, like, falling for him in this moment of goofiness. And at the lake house in the book, like where this would fall if it was chronological, it was like they're, you know, sitting by a lake and like just having like a little picnic and like singing and goofing off like all of them. And that's where the line is in the book, like Alex is so in love, he could die. And so I, I think it's really cool that like, even though they shifted the scenes around, they like kept that sentiment in with the facial acting. So like, it still happens, it happens in the same chronological sequence in the book. It's just a different scene as replaced. I think in the care, they kind of blended them together because in the karaoke scene in the book, it's like in Alex's internal monologue, he's um, B is also there and he's talking about how he's looking at her and they are both realizing like Henry is in this sort of free like state where he's like allowed to be himself on stage for the first time and what a privilege it is to witness that is kind of he was like he has this understanding with B as they're like both looking at him so I thought it was kind of cool that they they blended those two emotional states together in this one scene I mean they made a lot of changes but like they got the essence of what that was communicating in the book and managed to put it in the movie so you know i appreciate the thoughtfulness that went into that it's like how do we capture this feeling and show what's happening can we talk about how taylor has read the book six times at least oh god i love him it's just like 
I think he embodied the character so well. And I think there is a lot of criticism out there for his performance being that maybe he's like not as strong of an actor yet as Nick. And I think maybe some of that might be valid given that, you know, he's also just starting out and stuff but I also think that the delivery of some of his lines like they might have not been like as great but I think some of the lines that people have issues with they were maybe slightly awkward in themselves or like dialogue wasn't the greatest I think where Taylor like really shines super well is like whenever he's looking at Henry you can just see so much depth in the emotion in his face like the scene that comes to me like immediately is the one where they're dancing in the VA and Alex is looking at Henry there's so many emotions crossing his face as he's like bringing Henry's hands up around his neck he's like smiling and kind of being all goofy but then like his face kind of falls into this just very pensive resting like just like he's just beaming love at Henry it's like incredible yeah and like the one where he's like watching him play piano I was gonna say the one I sent the photo of today that was the scene that immediately popped in my head when you were like oh when he's looking at Henry I'm like when Henry's playing the piano and he looks like he would like literally burn the world down just to like make him happy is what I could see on that face so in love right and then the 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 Paris scene of course the way it's described in the book to the first their first time is Alex is like just looking him in the face the entire time I think they played whoever choreographed it or however they they acted that they stuck true to that exactly like if you watch it Henry is looking around a little bit he's also mostly looking at Alex but Alex is always looking at his face like it's insane also even at the start of the movie where they're still not friends yeah like it feels like he's always studying henry and like constantly like evaluating how do i feel about this person in his head at the wedding like you can see that like he's just trying to you know like understand like this this person just like gets under my skin and i'm not entirely sure why and then at the children's hospital where he's observing Henry interacting with the kid from the doorway. He has this kind of like, huh, like this thoughtful expression where he's like, "Hmm, I think I I might have to revise my opinion of this person. And that, you know, like he's constantly adjusting what he thinks of, of Henry. It's like he's studying him so intently. I think the only time where I felt like the acting could have been better was Alex's speech at the end of the movie where he's doing his press conference. I feel like that was a little bit one note for me. And I feel like there had to be more emotions that were put into that delivery because he's talking about a very personal thing during a very vulnerable moment. And like he and Henry experienced this trauma. And I don't feel like delivery of that speech really captured the weight and the emotions of that traumatic event. So yeah, I mean, I think that's where it fell flat for me. I think, yeah, and I think part of that is due to the speech itself, right? Yeah, that that speech hinged on a lot of things 
being more developed that weren't. Maybe it's not his fault. It's not really like the acting per se, but like it's the way the speech is written and the context in which the speech was delivered. I like it a lot. I think what what I will say about that is that I, if this was to happen in real life and someone was having to give a speech about something like that, I, I would think that they would try to make it seem less emotional and more like professional sounding, which is what I think that that kind of is. Like it's a, kind of lacking that emotion because I think that maybe I'm wrong. This is just how I feel. You don't want to go up and give like a big like emotional appeal necessarily if you're giving like an official speech like that. I I think that maybe where it feels like it's lacking a little bit is that we see a lot of how Henry feels of this situation and we don't really from Alex and then he gives that speech and that's really the only emotional response we're getting from him about that situation and it's not emotional yeah Mm-hmm. To me, it's fine that it's not emotional, but there needed to maybe be a scene showing him being emotional about it <laughs> and not just going directly into the speech that sounds very sort of cold and professional, which would be fine given the context that he was maybe trying to sound professional, but then there's nothing coming from him in reaction to being outed to everybody. <laughs> All we get from him is that like very polished professional, like here's a speech about like the queer struggle for liberation and it's all very like whatever, which is fine. But like, where was his like emotional response to like literally being outed to the world? We got it from Henry and we just didn't really get it from him. And then all of a sudden it was just, yeah. I agree with all that. Like, I think that maybe an emotional scene before that might've provided enough context for it. But also I feel that like thinking about like how an actor like Nick would deliver the speech. And like we were talking earlier about how like sometimes he will say something and you can read things that are happening behind the way that he says it. Like what he says and his delivery, there are layers behind that that communicate something else. So I feel like a really like experienced actor would have been able to deliver, you know, what looks like a very polished professional speech, but still betray like these signs of emotion and vulnerability without being very overt about it, but being able to communicate it subtly. Like, yes, I'm presenting this polished image to the world, but I'm actually really shaken up about it inside. And, you know, like that subtlety, I think would have been fantastic to see in that moment. And yeah, I I just didn't get that. I think both of those things could have helped, like if there was a little bit more depth in the performance. And also if we actually got to see a a scene of maybe him like freaking out before or something, because then basically because of that, the rest of the movie kind of progresses as if Alex is largely unconcerned concerned about this and all he's doing is supporting Henry which is like we've talked about before and clearly not what the author originally intended like Alex is as much freaking out as Henry is and understands how damaging this could be for him and his mother and everyone not just Henry yeah like Alex does say the one line about being like oh do you think I I don't remember what he says, <laughs> but he says something about like, do I lose my mom the election? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did yeah, yeah. I ruin her chances or whatever? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there definitely could have been more. I think this might tie into Snap's earlier comment about the decision to age up the characters and Alex not really going through his bisexual crisis in the way that he did in the book and how that changes things. Because I think the fact that he isn't as conflicted over his sexual identity and the fact that he is older affects the tone of 
all of this, right? Like the, you know, being outed, etc. As an older person who is more comfortable in his identity, it doesn't feel as big of a violation as it does in the book where they're so young and so, so much more vulnerable. So, you know, that decision to change their ages actually affects the emotional impact of this event and his response in the speech. Yeah, absolutely. I think that not only does it affect how vulnerable they feel, the thing that I kind of take issue with in terms of uh, Matthew Michael Lopez's justification for leaving out the bisexuality like crisis because they're aged up. Okay, don't get me wrong. I actually love that the characters are aged up in general because I feel like a lot of stories that are romantic comedies or dramas or however you want to put it focus on characters who are like 18 or 20 or you know some variation of high school or college age and like having this big love affair to me at least kind of seems a little unrealistic at that age and we've seen that story play out a hundred times right and so I think it's really nice that they aged up the characters and made them closer to like maybe 30 or like late 20s just in a representation sense and also in like it feels more real to have these very intense feelings about this is potentially the love of your life you know at an age where you're more mature and able to really process that so I do actually really appreciate that they gave kind of voice to that the thing that like I struggle with is that Matthew kind of justified using older actors or used the the inclusion of older actors as a justification to kind of cut out this identity crisis entirely Mm -hmm. because he's like oh you know they're older so obviously they figured figured it it out out, right and I think that it is kind of papering over a lot of the fact that you know in general like like maybe bisexual people have harder time or develop introspection about themselves and realize this identity crisis like a lot later just because of combat basically you know and I I don't want to say that like this experience that they've portrayed in the film could not happen because obviously it could just as easily as the other way around but I think that MML's comment about he basically just dismissed the fact that oh yeah we just like don't need to go through that identity crisis because obviously by 28 they'll have figured it out and you know I just that kind the comment itself just kind of rankled me yes it rankled me too as someone who came to that realization later in life later right? in life yeah. and I know that I'm not alone and I think maybe that's a generational thing because growing up we didn't have the kind of representation in the media, the kind of conversations that we're having now that help people figure this stuff out, right? So like maybe people who are younger than us are coming to this realization sooner because, yeah, because, you know, there is an environment for that and that just simply didn't exist for me when I was figuring things out. And so I felt very seen and represented in Alex's struggle in the book, you know? And so... Sure, like the way that it's portrayed in the movie is totally believable and it totally happens. It's it's just a personal thing for me because I was like, oh, my struggle is represented here. Having seen that in a movie or having read that at a time when I was younger would have like really helped me. 
I, I just really appreciated like the acknowledgement of this is really confusing, right? And like you can have like all these experiences and these feelings and still not know what it means and still not be able to see yourself in that way and claim that identity. Yeah. And I think the thing is like they there are reasons for them to have cut Alex's identity crisis out of the film and I I might not agree with all of those reasons and I do think it would have been nice to have more of it but we we kind of talked about this earlier right like the fact that maybe for time or whatever like just pacing like maybe wouldn't have made sense for them to do his whole like coming to terms with himself but I don't think that the reason about them being older is like a good enough reason. Like that can't be your primary justification for saying we're going to cut this. Like there has to be more. So anyway, that's just something that kind of bothered me. It's not the portrayal in the movie that bothers me. It's that comment that seems to just dismiss people embracing their queer identity much later in life because they needed that time to figure it out. I hate being the one who always disagrees. I don't I just like literally read that comment and it it didn't like shake me at all I don't know I kind of think that I totally understand the like coming to terms with your bisexual identity later in life thing and I think it happens all the time I think the opposite happens all the time I think that that's kind of the importance of showing a variety of experiences when it comes to accepting bisexuality because it happens in so many different ways and obviously it happens like this for every single sexual identity but because we are a podcast that focuses on bisexual things as well as that's what Alex's character is. That's why I'm just like saying this about bisexuality. You know, there's obviously so many different ways that you can figure it out, whether it's early, later, whatever. I do think it almost sort of works well for Alex's character in his universe that like he would have figured it out quicker because like when you see what his parents are like and his mom is so accepting his dad is so accepting I would believe that he would have grown up in an environment where him suddenly being like oh maybe I'm bisexual and it's like not a big deal to him as fully believable just because of like who he is like surrounded by I I don't really know like the age thing I get I guess I can kind of see that when I heard that quote what I just took that to mean was he's had a few more years to consider that not that oh people who are older have everything figured out like if you buy by the time you're whatever age like what's wrong with you kind of thing to me it just meant that like oh he has had more time to sort of consider those situations in which he has had hookups with other guys and being like I don't I don't think that they totally skip obviously the bisexual crisis in the movie isn't as intense as it is in the book but I do think there's a little bit of like oh well those couple experiences I had with guys were just that experiences they didn't really like mean anything and I think you can kind of see that in the scene where when him and Henry hook up in his room in the White House when they're like talking after and he says that he's bisexual the fact that he really like needs to say that to Henry yeah you know and struggles to say it He, he struggles to say it and just like the fact that he feels like he needs to say it to him like it really feels like he needs to like say it out loud 
and not just be like, I don't need to explain myself to him. Let's just like whatever. Yeah. Makes it seem like the feelings are a little bit deeper than it just being another one of those hookups Mm -hmm. that he's already experienced. And so now he's like, oh, I feel like I want to put a term to what I'm experiencing now. This isn't just like a hookup. The feelings that I'm feeling are bisexual feelings. And that being like very new to him, I think is kind of like shown again not like necessarily out loud like spoken but just like shown in the context of how he reacts and how he you know struggles to see bisexual and stuff like that so I don't know I think it's very valid that you guys are upset by that comment and I'm not trying to dismiss that at all because I think that I mean hey if, if you heard it like that and that's how you interpreted it that's totally that's understandable and valid I mean I don't think that there was anything wrong with the portrayal of Alex's bisexuality in the movie. I mean, I thought it was it was pretty good. And, you know, it's not like they they completely gloss over it and it's a very realistic portrayal of someone who's had time to kind of figure it out but not embrace it fully. Like I'm I'm totally fine with it. It was just that comment yeah. about not acknowledging that an older person might still struggle with it. You know, that's all. Yeah. It just like it just felt a little bit erased by that. But it's not a criticism of the portrayal in the movie at all. I don't necessarily think that Matthew was at all trying to be like malicious or anything with this statement, right? It was just kind of like an offhand remark. And I do think to Katie's point, like they did show some of the bisexuality like crisis or or I guess like the development of like Alex coming to terms with his feelings he does have a comment on like oh I can I can wrap my head around being low level in the guys but what I'm really confused about is being into Henry the way we know this movie inside out (laughs) it's embarrassing to be honest (laughs) no it's great he does like show nervousness like you were talking about when he first comes out like formally he like feels like he has to formally come out to Henry which is like a really interesting choice I do really think that like the way that he delivers that line is really well done like the way that he's like I'm bisexual yeah 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 I thought it was really yeah good just like the way that he hesitates the way he's looking down he's not making eye contact until the end when he says yeah that's really well done I still feel that way sometimes when I say it like yeah I, yeah like claiming that is so uncomfortable like even though like you know this about yourself and you've accepted this about yourself sometimes saying it out loud is just yeah I felt that in that moment especially especially if you're straight passing or if you're in a straight passing relationship the other line that you just mentioned katie where he where he comes out to his mom just the way that he he delivers that also in this very slow way like he's enunciating each word he's like and that person is henry or like or like yeah and she's henry or He's like so nervous. He's like looking down. And so one of the things you said, like the fact that like, oh, like you could see for Alex, him coming to terms with it earlier because he has such a supportive family and stuff. And like, I think that is potentially true, except for the fact that like he's still so nervous it's important to acknowledge that like even if your family is so supportive it's still really hard yeah scary yeah yeah it's like you have to rethink everything you thought about yourself and you feel like even if your family 
supports you, like they will change their opinion of you. Like they'll still mm-hmm. see you differently, even if they'll still love you the same. And like, but he kind of even he literally says that line like right after he comes out to her. I guess it's supposed to be like an email to Henry, and he's like narrating after that scene, and he says, "I guess I was worried she would see me different, but I guess that's kind of the point." And it's also, I think, like, okay, maybe my family won't have a problem with it and they will accept me but your family doesn't exist in a vacuum right like it exists in society you're still subject to other people's judgment and your family's outside relationships right like are my parents friends going to see them any differently or like our extended family or whatever like all of that comes into play um so like even if like your immediate family unit is supportive all those other people around your family might not be and they're exerting like pressure and making it uncomfortable also for your family who you know would still defend you but still it makes it uncomfortable for everybody and then you know Alex is a public figure his mom is a president his father is a congressman so like how that plays out in society matters even more to him than it would like an ordinary person so you know, I, he's also carrying the weight of that when he embraces that identity. There's like one particular moment, I think I mentioned this while we were doing our rewatch together, like where he's just like come out to his mom and his mom hasn't like said anything yet. And she reaches towards the phone is like, hi, we're going to need. And Alex's face like just goes anic. And he's like, uh, he's about to interrupt. Like, as if he thinks his mom's, like, going to call security on him or something. I know. I always think in that moment, I'm like, what is... Like, what's she going to do? Like, throw him yeah, in jail? Yeah, like, the fear that passes on his face until she realizes that she's just ordering pizza. And then there's, like, immediate relief. Oh, my God. Like, the facial acting there is so good. And, like, the way that he, like... I think he actually physically extends his hand. He does, yeah. He, like, goes to move forward, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, I felt his panic in that moment. Same, same. And, again, it's not just subtle thing for, like, a second. But, oh, my gosh. Really well done. I think, like, Taylor... Taylor's performance probably doesn't stand out as much to people but I think that he still does a really good job oh yeah the other scene like of course we keep going back to the lake scene when he comes up on the dock and he you know shakes his head like gets the water all over Henry it's like so playful and then he's like scooting closer to him it's just like it's so cute and real and like you can just see like the happiness on his face how he's like he mocks henry he's like i seriously doubt that or whatever like (laughs) yeah like it's just so good like you like you have friends that do that like this is like a person that you know in your life like it's just so genuine that scene kills me so much because i i don't know something about the way that alex can't keep his hands off of henry yes yes he just like wants so badly to be touching him and at first henry's like obviously okay with it they got their hands like intertwined and their thumbs are playing with each other oh my god it kills me Afterwards, when the scene starts to shift and Henry's like pulling away and Alex is just like following him because he doesn't understand yet, but he just 
wants to be touching Henry so bad. And it reminds me of the few times earlier in the movie when Alex is reaching out to Henry and Henry's like pulling away. It happens like in Paris. And when else does it happen? When the guard is watching them, when the like secret service or whatever British guard is watching them. And yeah, he reaches out. He like, yeah, not here. And there's one other time, I can't remember when it is, but there's one other time where, yeah, they like go to pull away or he go tries to touch Henry and Henry has to pull away. Doesn't have to, but he does pull away. <laughs> and then also reminds me in the scene when they're in the cafe in Paris and that it just like feels so badly like they want to like touch hands on the table like both their hands are there and they're just like so close they're just like reaching across that table to each other yeah 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 everything in that scene just like works so well like you can tell like both of them are just having they're just on two completely different emotional planes and yeah they're having their own separate experience of that moment and just it just really works i feel like it's a little underappreciated how he carries so much of like the humor of the movie yes yeah comedic timing a lot of the scenes i feel like he does a really good job of like kind of carrying the humor like especially i would say the the scene at the beginning at the wedding where like (laughs) i don't know like there's so much of that oh my god the way he acts drunk yes the drunk acting yeah oh my god i I can't believe i didn't mention that too like the just like the way he's talking he's like i'll take that or whatever yeah he steals the drink and then like touches that woman's like fur and then steals the appetizer like oh my god and he's like (laughs) reaching behind him when he's like collapsed on the couch to like play with something he know he ditches his food you know he's just like constantly murmuring to himself with his like eyes half closed then of course the iconic henry yeah oh my god that's like a line that i can see my brain like if i saw like a photo of that my brain would be like henry like (laughs) oh my god it's so funny (laughs) that whole thing and even like before he gets drunk the part where you can like see in his like expression when Henry brushes him off doing like the greeting <laughs> line and he is yeah. just like yeah he's just like blinks like he's a character on the office looking into the camera on his face after is like I'm gonna be a fucking problem <laughs> that's like literally <laughs> what he looks like he's like I'm about to be a problem Henry wants a problem I'm about to be that problem he just like looks side to side too. He's like, did anyone else fucking yeah. Um, yeah. I have thought so much about what it is about this movie that has made it so popular and especially why it feels like so rewatchable. I hate having this answer, but I honestly I, I can't pinpoint any one thing that that I understand why it's gotten this like response, especially out of myself as someone who has rewatched it so many times. Not as much as some people out there. There's like this one girl on TikTok who is like, I'm on my 110th rewatch. I'm like, girl. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's just like hard, but I, I totally understand it because I like watch the movie and I get to the end and I feel like I want to start this from the beginning. And I think a lot of it has to do with it feels like the beginning of something at the end. Does that make sense? 
like even though they end the movie by kind of being like oh like we won i'm like okay it feels like the beginning of something it doesn't feel like the end i know there's like a lot of talk about doing a sequel and stuff like that which i would love and that's kind of what it feels like the ending is is almost like a setup for like a sequel so you feel like you've reached the end and they're like we won and i'm like okay but it feels like there's so much more here and so you just kind of want to keep re-watching it because that's all there is to do there's nothing else yeah their relationship can finally start like in public like without hiding like that's a new chapter that could happen so yeah totally totally get that they're both finally on the same page as each other they spend a lot of the movie on different pages or like different understandings of like what their relationship is and finally, at the end, they're both on the same page. They both understand what this is to each other. And they both have acceptance, what passes as acceptance from Henry's side. But like, you know, Alex's mom is reelected, so they don't have to like worry about re-election anymore. I don't know. It just feels like, yeah, it's like the start of something. I haven't really like paid a lot of attention to what I would say like official critics are saying about the movie. Like, I don't really read, like, reviews from websites about movies because I generally think that critics are garbage. Like, I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> Maybe it sounds kind of mean. I've seen a lot of, like, people's comments because what I do read is letterboxed reviews. And I've seen this from a few different places, like, letterboxed reviews. I've seen a few people, like, say it on, like, Tumblr and, like, other places. And I've also seen, like, some YouTube reaction videos from straight people and that is what i want to talk about is how it bothers me more to to hear a straight person's response to this movie than it does to even know that like it's possible that like a straight person is playing a gay role in the movie that bothers me less because i know that if either of the actors are straight i i don't really know i'm not gonna like make judgment calls on their sexuality if either of them are straight, I know that they've entered this project and they've done their due diligence in like portraying this character. I don't think that either of them are portraying what I would consider like an offensive gay stereotype kind of like performance. Not like, at all, yeah. That's not at all what's happening in this movie. And so I know that they've done their their due diligence. I know that they've done their like respects to the characters and their sexuality and I feel very good about all of those things what I don't feel good about is straight people giving their opinions on this movie I I just like have read so many people commenting on it who are not part of the community and it feels very like I don't know it feels very like disrespectful in a way that they are like coming into my home and judging my like book collection is kind of like what it feels like in a way where I'm like I've invited you here <laughs> I've allowed you to like enter this space where I am trying to enjoy this pure content that has been created for me and that I enjoy and you are giving your unwashed ass opinion on <laughs> this movie and i hate it basically comes down to like it's not for you right it's not yeah it's not for you and if you don't get it it's because you're not part of the community it's not your experience so 
just maybe shut up about it. <laughs> yeah, it also like, not to change the subject, but this isn't necessarily like straight people. I don't know who this is coming from, but I've seen a few comments. I think it might be actually from gay men who just like haven't watched the movie. And I've seen like maybe a few things being like, oh, th this movie is just like made for like straight women. I'm like, I can tell that you are making a very uneducated comment about this project because of the very few like things you've seen of it like I don't think people making those comments have like actually watched this movie or know anything about the fan base because I feel like obviously there are straight women into this I feel like we've already talked about the fact that we, we just like to see like hot men make out sometimes which is fine <laughs> mm-hmm also, I feel like it's erasing the fact that the writer of the books is a queer, non-binary person. It's erasing the fact that... And the director and the screenwriter is a gay man. Mm -hmm. The director and the screenwriter are both gay. The intimacy coordinator is gay. You are erasing the queerness that has come together to create this project just because you think that it is made to be consumed by straight women. Get your uneducated opinions away from me. To me, to have like a comfort film that's also queer, you can pry this out of my cold dead hands. Like you will not get this from me. Yeah. Yeah. And I also feel like straight women or, or even queer women have been the recipients of a lot of misogyny from not just straight men, but also queer men like it's just i feel like women are a little bit maligned kind of mm -hmm. yeah yeah for having certain desires it's like things that cater to us to women queer or straight are just automatically relegated to a lower tier for some reason and it's the subject of scorn and derision because women yeah yeah i think the other important point to all of these comments is like this film was like not only is it like not created for you like I think any person is allowed to have an opinion on a piece of media like fine whatever like you know say whatever you want to say about it the thing is people coming in to like this space and having like these criticisms about the movie when they have so much right they have every every romantic drama comedy whatever has been about straight people this is all we have so like can you please let yeah. us have our opinions let us be in our feelings about it first before you mess it up for us i i think that like everyone is entitled to their own opinion just please don't go out of your way to like shame other people for having different opinions about it or be mindful of the spaces that you enter and express these opinions. You know, you can tell your other straight friends that you didn't like it. That's fine. But to go into queer spaces and make it known to queer people that, you know, this thing that you love actually sucks is not a nice thing to do, to say the least. I just wanted to add to like what you were saying, Katie, about having straight actors, although, you know, we don't really know what goes on with people in their personal lives, right? So I don't really want to make assumptions about that. No one owes it to the public to reveal their sexuality. And so I don't think that it's appropriate to engage in that kind of speculation, especially online and in spaces where the actors might encounter that. Like, I just don't think that that's um, something that people should do. But I don't think that one needs to necessarily be queer to participate in the creation of um, queer media 
you know, I think that quote unquote straight or quote unquote cis people might be engaging in the creation of queer, queer adjacent art because it resonates with them on some level. And, you know, maybe they're working through some complicated queer feelings. And, you know, as we discussed earlier, like coming to terms with your identity and your sexuality is a journey and not necessarily um, something that you completely understand and embrace as a young person. So, you know, who knows what's going on with someone? I don't want to speculate on that. And I just want these stories to get told. Is there something real here, something genuine that resonates with people? And it doesn't matter so much the identity of the person who created it. I don't know if that's an unpopular opinion. Yeah. And like, obviously, you want gay actors and like queer actors and you know people who are trans and all varieties of the queer spectrum to be able to be given work to be able to act in roles where their identity in particular is expressed and being shown like that is amazing and we need to keep making space for those people and for those actors Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly what you're saying that like, don't necessarily think that a queer character must be played by a queer actor. You don't want to out someone, you don't want to like force people to, you know, reveal identities that they might be keeping to themselves. And, and yeah, I don't necessarily think that queer art has to be portrayed by someone who is queer, because it's not a characteristic that's necessarily observable immediately as opposed to like something Mm -hmm. like race right or maybe disability or something like that where you know those things are things that you observe perhaps automatically and it informs your view of the character and their experiences whereas queerness is this kind of inherent internal characteristic people don't always know about and that's kind of (laughs) the whole thing about (laughs) about and I think if we want more queer people making queer art, I think the solution to that is to give more opportunities to everybody. You know, I mean, I think that like focusing on who can make what is limiting and not necessarily going to lead to good art. I think that if we want wider more diverse representation from people of all different identities, then we just need to create more opportunities and remove the barriers to participation. I mean, on a very practical level, it is illegal to ask people what their sexuality is if you're going to hire them. Auditions are like job interviews. You're not allowed to ask people what their sexuality is is how do you even enforce yes that? enforcing only like gay people can play gay men can play gay men and only bisexual people can play bisexual people like you're implying bigger societal implications and did i say to say implying twice you're taking on bigger things than just that it's sort of like getting this like ball rolling that i don't think you want to start rolling so then you're gonna start asking people in job interviews if they're gay like that has just like really terrible implications and optics and like all this stuff before we like end i thought of one thing there's like one piece of facial acting that nick does that i wanted to also commend which is the scene where right after he gives alex the ring and alex is gonna get back on the plane and (gasps) henry yeah henry turns his back and starts walking Mm. away 
the facial acting. Oh, it's so good. So good. Oh, and we didn't talk about the phone call. The way his face changes when Alex says <gasps> baby. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was everything we had to probably not everything we had to say about red, white, and royal blue. I feel like we could have said more, but at this point we have talked about it for over two hours. And honestly, that's it's getting to be a little excessive. So we'll leave it there for now. I think that maybe it would be fun to do like a look back episode, maybe in like a year or so. That could be fun. But for now, that's all we have to say about it. We want to thank of course, Snap for being part of the episode. She was super fun to have on the show. We wanted to acknowledge an amazing comment from our dear listener, Katie, who listens to our episodes and leaves us amazing comments on our YouTube channel. So yeah, she sent us like a huge reaction kind of comment and it's awesome. And we love to hear you know, what people have to say about what we're talking about. And it seems like she agreed with a lot about what we had to say. And if anyone else has any comments on any of our episodes, you are free to comment on our YouTube videos. You can email us at bisexualbreakdown at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you guys. So Serena, what are you hyper fixating on right now? Well, I finished the second season of Our Flag Means Death, and I'm afraid that I spoke too soon. <laughs> In the previous episode, I mentioned that I was really enjoying the show and that the fandom has been like really lovely to participate in and to see the really wholesome interactions between among fans and with the creators and actors in the show. And since the finale of uh, season two aired, things have kind of fallen apart in a not <laughs> great way. Some people are very upset about the way the season ended. And I don't want to give away any spoilers, but something bad happens to a fan favorite character and people are deeply upset, which is understandable, but um, what's not okay is that the discourse has turned a little bit ugly on social media and there have been some very unpleasant comments directed towards the creators of the show and that's just not, it's just not been a fun time. I understand why people are upset. I'm not very happy about the way that it ended either, but I don't think that directing abuse towards creators is acceptable in any way. So please don't do that. I still think that the show is worth watching and we can have different opinions about the quality of the season and that ending. But yeah, it was a little bit disappointing for me. Yeah, that the ending itself was disappointing or the fan reaction or both. Both. And I, I also feel like season two did not live up to the promise of season one. I feel like there were a lot of layers to the storytelling in season one that were not continued or were not treated as well in season two so just overall quality I was a little bit disappointed still fun though like there were a lot of really good moments in the show a lot of great um, new characters that were introduced and the interactions between those characters is really fun but overall I still don't think it was as good as season one and was a little bit disappointed by the ending yeah I will say that I know that you feel this way as well I don't think that it's ever really appropriate to direct 
concerns or complaints to writers on social media, especially if you don't know how to express those opinions in a respectful way. Like obviously you can you can disagree with someone and you can have like a respectful conversation in which you disagree with each other, but it seems like people take to social media to become like the worst version of themselves. Yeah. Rude and threatening creators, writers on social media isn't great. I mean, we just had a whole writer strike where it was revealed that they weren't being paid very well. And there are conversations that are just not appropriate, I think, for like those public spaces where the creators can see them. Like if you're upset, you can talk to your friends, but you don't have to make it public and you don't have to tag the creators. And like you can have thoughtful critiques of media if you don't think that the show lived up to the potential or you feel like there was something wrong with the narrative. Like you're free to say that, but, you know, keep it kind of respectful and abuse towards creators or anybody really or towards your fellow fans who don't happen to agree with your opinion um, is never okay. For myself, I still have not watched the second season of Our Flight Means Death. And now I'm a little scared too, but it's short. It is. Yeah. You know what? They are short. So I, I'm sure I will eventually for myself as it is coming to the end of the year. My hyperfixation is desperately trying to match my reading goal for the year, which was to read 30 books. I have read 27 and I'm trying so very hard. I think I might make it. I'm probably going to finish another book within the next like day or so. I just started reading one that's really short so that, you know, I can hopefully finish it plus two more. In the last few weeks, we have left of 2023. Did you make it to 30 books last year too? Last year, I set a goal of, well, okay, here's the thing. I've always read in the past, my number of books per year was more in like the 10 books a year kind of area. But then I just kind of started really going off on reading in the last like couple years. So I think that my actual goal last year was maybe 10 books but I read 24. Wow. I was like, okay, I think that I can like up this. So my actual like goal was to just beat the number of books I read last year, which I did, but I did set, I mean, I'm on Goodreads. So I set a Goodreads goal for myself to read 30 books and I'm really close. And if I meet that, I will probably raise it next year, maybe to like 30, 33 or 35. Maybe I haven't really decided. I feel like I could definitely read more. There was like a period, at least like a couple months in the summer where I hardly read at all because I was very busy. I, I think I can do more. I definitely think I can do more. So we'll see. Good for you. I haven't even been keeping track and I feel like I would stress myself out so much if I set a reading goal. It might not be fun anymore because like I would just be doing it to meet the goal and I don't want to put that kind of pressure on myself. Like I know that it's a good incentive for some people, but I don't think it, it works for me. Yeah, I, I totally feel that because I do feel like in some circumstances that would be exactly me where I would be like, okay, well, this isn't fun anymore. But I don't I don't know. I think that I'm really enjoying and I'm going through kind of like an exploratory thing of like discovering a lot of LGBTQ fiction. And I don't know, it's been really fun. And I think that that actually discovering kind of like I, I, it's not a genre because there's many different genres within this like 
category, but like kind of discovering LGBTQ books in the last like couple of years has what led me to reading so many more. And like, I, I think that I was getting bored of reading heterosexual novels without realizing like that was the issue. And that like literally as soon as I started reading books that were gay, I was just like, all right, let's go. I'm like fully into it. It doesn't feel like work, I guess, which is nice. I feel that. I find that I am so much more easily bored these days by books about straight white characters. I just yeah. need more diversity in my life now. Yeah, I'm just like not really into the, that anymore. And sometimes I see books that sound interesting, but I mean, they're heterosexual. And I'm always like, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> I don't think I can do that to myself anymore. <laughs> We also wanted to acknowledge our theme music, which was made by our dear friend Pax. I call them Paxi. Our dear friend Paxi, who, yeah, does music. And you can find them on Instagram at Fens Edge. And um, yeah, it's kind of like a work in progress, but it's been really fun to see the different versions of our theme song that they've been coming up with. We have a website now, it's bisexualbreakdown.com. And I wanted to acknowledge the artist who made our little header image. Um, she is Draw Right Play on Instagram and Threads. All right. So that's all from us for this episode. Uh, once again, you can find us on our website which is bisexualbreakdown.com it'll have links to everywhere you can listen to us as well as our coffee which is brand new and also again you can contact us bisexualbreakdown at gmail.com we're on all of our social media sites you know instagram tiktok tumblr yeah so if you want to reach out to us on any of those platforms go ahead and uh, that's everything we will see you next time we are both bisexual that's so true